Welcome back to another week here on MWO Sports. Ryan Drury, I'll be joined by Steve Saverin and Chris Clark to recap a tough OT Game 5 loss by the Leafs to the Montreal Canadiens, forcing Game 6 in Montreal on Saturday, which we'll, of course, bring to you live on CKNX. We'll also chat with the general manager of the Hanover Raceway, Steve Fitzsimmons, on their upcoming season with still no fans, at least to start. And we'll wrap up by chatting with our wagering expert, Pat Gregoire, on a number of hot bets to make this weekend from CoolBet. You're listening to and watching MWO Sports brought to you by CoolBet.co. This is MWO Sports. Welcome back to MWO Sports brought to you by CoolBet.co. This week, Ryan Drury alongside Clarky and Steve Sabrin, fresh off of a very disappointing Toronto Maple Leafs loss in game five. They had the opportunity to win their first playoff series since 2004. They will have to wait at least two more days as uh, we react to the game right after it ended in overtime. Nick Suzuki burying his first career playoff overtime winning goal. And uh, guys, obviously uh, it's tough. We we were maybe expecting to see our friend Dark Guy again, but I think he is in the doldrums of, uh, of despair after uh, thinking that the Leafs were going to move on tonight to face the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, I, Clarky, you're our resident Leaf nut. You're, you're all garbed up. I'll, I'll start with you just your reaction uh, right after a, a pretty tough loss for your team after a thrilling comeback yeah you know it, it, disappointing obviously like I was I was looking forward to overtime um I, you know I, I'm, I'm a guy who loves to watch an overtime with his team but boy what a miserable way to end it and uh yeah if, if I, I should have pulled the dark guy and not showed up either but I, I kind of liked the show, so I, I did come on. I, like he's he's is he still a friend of the show if he doesn't show up after loss? Like win or lose, you got to show up. Like I don't no. have a voice. I'm I'm hurting. Uh, you know, like he's pulling him Austin Matthews and it's been invisible. Like it's not good. Well, yeah, I I can understand it. Also, I I know he's got to get up early uh, the next day as well. You so guys got to get up early too, don't you? I know we got to get up early as well. I'm not going to fault our friend Dark Guy <laughs> for being emotional. I mean, I I know that after my numerous uh, times watching the Capitals do this same type of thing, I was. Uh, not in good commission the next day, the next week. Uh, but I mean, the series isn't over by any means. No, and the Leafs no. are still winning. So there's still plenty to be positive about. And I do have a feeling that they will end it in, in Montreal. That said, um, pretty disappointing showing from the guys in blue tonight. Steve, what was your reaction? Because I mean, the Leafs did not start that game well at all. No, they came out very flat in the first period, but... Um, if you notice, three glaring mistakes leading to three goals, two of them uh, by Sandine, who didn't see a whole lot of ice time after uh, coughing up the puck in behind the Toronto net. And it just, he, he seemed a little slow. Um, didn't really know what to do with the puck, especially with that second goal. Got caught behind the net, and instead of, you know, ripping it into the corner, um, he tried to walk out and get out of traffic, and that was the turnover. And then the overtime goal, how many times do you see that? You know, a kind of a turnaround blind pass along the offensive blue line and picked off. Um, and, you know, that that's that, Jack Campbell with no chance. Uh, but definitely very flat coming out of the gate in the first period. 
I would expect to see a more energetic team. Um, again, uh, Clarkie mentioned about Austin Matthews. Uh, he had very quiet. Uh, William Nylander had some fantastic chances. Um, he's been stellar. Uh, Hyman had that breakaway. Wasn't able to get by Price. He made some pretty good saves. And, uh, you know, even, you know, Spezza with a pretty decent game, um, you know, number 19. And, and the depth in Toronto definitely showed. Without that supporting cast, they'd be in yeah. trouble. They yeah. need and, the top guys to, to step it up, especially if they get past this round into the second round. It's only going to get tougher. So uh, they, they have to make an appearance. Yeah, absolutely. And you talk about the supporting cast. Thank goodness they've had the supporting cast. Thank goodness they do have the depth. Um, and Alex Galchenyuk has been a guy who's been on fire. And it's just too bad that he was the guy with the big gaffe on Thursday night to lead to the overtime winner for Montreal. But he has played very well. William Nylander has been their leading scorer. He's been their best player. He shouldn't be their best player. The other two guys, Mitch and, and Matthews, have to step up and be their best players for this team to win long term. Yeah, they can beat Montreal without them, maybe. But it's tough when you're when you when you're when you're without basically two thirds of your second line. You're missing Tavares and Felino, and your top line isn't scoring. Gosh, you're lucky you do have some depth. I, I agree with Ryan. I think they will win uh, this this uh, this series still, um, but they better freaking play better. Yeah, that would be the hope, right? Because, yeah, that was a, a terrible start. Um, I thought the first Armia goal was, uh, you know, that's a good goal. But you're right, Steve. Two costly mistakes from Rasmus Sandin tonight. And um, the Leafs were able to shake it off. I mean, you know, yeah. that the, the team definitely looks different. They've got more of a veteran presence. They've got guys that have been in these type of battles yeah. before that calm them down. I mean, if that if that's the case, well, we did. We saw it last year and, and in yeah. years prior with this core starting to make the playoffs. If if that happens prior to this season and without this group that they've assembled, they crumble at three nothing and the game probably ends up four or five one. Like they don't come back and even make a game of it. So that so that's definitely an improvement. And they and they get back to it. I thought the 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 one power play that they did get, and again, the referees were a little bit of a story there. You know, in every series in these playoffs, they've been pretty picky and choosy about uh, a lot of infractions, especially I can deal with letting guys get away with a rough here and there. It's the stick infractions that drive me up the wall, but both teams, I, I guess you can have that game management narrative. They both had power, uh, a power play. The Leafs were awful on theirs, and then right after it ends, they finally take a shot on net, and it goes in. Jake Muzzin had himself a heck of a hockey game tonight. Yeah. But overall, Clarkie, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, they're big guys, of course, You know, without John Tavares in the lineup, and it was extremely positive, by the way, to see him in the building in his suite, and he actually mm -hmm. skated as well uh, by himself, so that was that's very, very positive just, just to see that, but I'm glad you brought that up because Austin Matthews, look, Alexander Ovechkin, he's up behind me. Our viewers can see him on Whiteman TV and YouTube. He's behind me on the wall. He's my favorite player of all time, bar none. 
won a lot of Rocket Richard trophies. Matthews won his first this year. And every year he would show up and he would score goals in the playoffs, but the Capitals would lose and they blame it all on him. It's all his fault. He He's the one that's costing them these, these playoff wins. Austin Matthews has got to do something. I like, I mean, you, you expect something from the yep. guy and, and outside of a hit crossbar. And I believe game two, <laughs> Hmm. Where, where is it? I find it awful funny too, that the narrative that, you know, is, it doesn't seem to be as loud around him because probably because he isn't Russian or something, but uh, yeah, where is this guy? And where's Mitch Marner again tonight? We saw an example of it. Now the, the puck ended up in the net Clarky, but again, too fancy with the puck holding yes. on to it too long. If that goal doesn't go in where he gets price swimming and he had two opportunities to shoot and he double clutched and pushed himself too wide. If that puck doesn't dribble in maybe off Zach Hyman's stick, yeah. we're wondering what on earth is going on with this guy. And you could still argue that couldn't you? Absolutely. I I've been most disappointed with Marner, way more disappointed with Marner than I have been with Matthews. I think he's way too fancy out there. He doesn't just work and get the job done. He tries to he tries to pass the puck into the net at times. Like just shoot it. Or, or like and like the back behind the back passes, the little the little too many saucer passes that just don't work. He's got to be better. And I have yes, I've been hard on him um, talking to my buddies, but he hasn't shown me anything. And I think they said tonight like He's got 16 or 17 straight playoff games now without a goal. Like, that's got to change. Guys, that has to change. These guys, both of them, have to step up and do better. And that line is intact. And, like, you can't tell me Montreal um, does a great job checking these guys. They're just not – like, I don't know if Matthews is hurt. I don't know. Um, you know, a little birdie told me, no, it was actually the two goofballs I, I hang out with watching the, watching the game that they think he's hurt, but who knows? Everybody's right? hurt. Everybody's hurt. Yeah, no, you're right. Yeah. He, right. he wasn't hurt a week ago when he capped off his rocket Richard season and scored 41 goals. Yeah. Like, yeah. Ev no, everyone's no, hey, hurt. I, I agree. I agree with you hundred percent. It doesn't, it just doesn't look to me like they're working as hard as a guy like William Nylander. Who would have said that, you know, a little while ago, that William Nylander's outworking Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner? But he is. Yeah, and he's outperforming them too. And and Steve, let's talk a little bit about the most costly turnover of the game. Of course, Galchenyuk had a really nice assist on the, the tying goal, but uh, you referenced it earlier. The the blind no-look on along the high half wall is just a... <laughs> It's such a danger play and credit to Suzuki and Caulfield, the kids out there for Montreal for floating up there and, and, and monitoring the point because that's a play in overtime where you just can't be that fancy. And well, I understand what Galchenyuk's trying to do, but you'd like to see him just chip it down the wall and get back to work. Wouldn't you? Well, it was kind of a double whammy on that play, too, because uh, I believe it was Muzzin on the other side. Mm -hmm. that when Galchenyuk swung and made that pass along the blue line, you could see Muzzin trying to step into the puck. As soon as he steps forward, he's done. He's flat-footed. Yeah. Caulfield and, and Suzuki are, are, are gone. And then on the other end on that rush, if you notice what Caulfield did, Suzuki made the pass over, and Caulfield didn't hesitate. He didn't, like, slow the puck down and kind of fake a shot, then pass back. It was all one motion. 
chip it right back to Suzuki and Campbell. No chance. He was still moving left when Suzuki uh, put it into the net. That puck rolling a little bit and uh, Suzuki showing eye-hand coordination. And I'm sure a lot of uh, Owen Sound Attack fans maybe pumping their fists uh, uh, for their uh, former player. But um, give Suzuki credit. He made a play earlier on in the game as well. Uh, there was a pass down low near the net, and he was able to knock it down um, and disrupt that uh, scoring opportunity. Um, and and that's, you know, it's great. And Caulfield, I mean, you go back, he got the assist tonight, but did he not have uh, one or two overtime goals against the Leafs um, on the three-on-three -three in the regular season? One for sure. Um, and he's just been a been a bright spot uh, for Montreal. Uh, I think he's been invisible for the most part of the series. He didn't even play the first game. I don't think he's had that good of a series. I really don't. He's, I think he's a liability defensively. Yeah, he can score for sure, but I don't think he's been that good. Well, but he scored big goals. Yeah, he's he's he scored big goals at, at big times, which is more than what some players on the Leafs have done. Um, yeah, but, and that's what you'd say about him, right? He's a rookie. I mean, anything that he contributes, especially Clarky, like you said, after not starting in game one, and that I know raised the ire and eyebrows across uh, lower southern Quebec and, and even Habs fans here, why he was not in the lineup after looking so good after getting called up, and, and Romanov as well, who also did not play tonight. Uh, one of their uh, future stalwarts on the blue line still not in the lineup, but anything that you get out of a kid like that who is a rookie is cookies. And he came up with an awful big cookie tonight. And Steve, like you were just saying, I mean, he's contributed probably a little more than guys on the Leafs that are making $11 million. The key, the key to Saturday night, the Leafs got to come out in the first shift. They have to come out. They got to pin Montreal, whether or not they score, whatever, but they got to come out and spend the first 60 seconds in that Montreal zone. Because the first shift, first two shifts tonight were very, very slow. And, uh, and, but what's the hardest thing to do in a playoff series? Win game number four. Close it out. You're, you're absolutely right. And, and that's the thing, right? Is the Leafs played with fire tonight and eventually did get burned, but they are so skilled that they are able to dig themselves out of big holes that they dig. And they did that tonight. But, if they come out and have the same type of start again against a Carey Price who, yeah, a couple of... The, the third goal, the tying goal, you don't want to see that go in. Sure, if you're a Montreal fan, you don't want to see that go in. But he, for the most part in this series, has kept scores from getting a lot more lopsided than they have been, and he looks healthy. And so if the Leafs do the same thing in Montreal with some fans in the building, a little extra energy, sure, whatever you want to make of that, they there will be a game seven. Because if you go down three Cobb to carry Price when he looks like this, more often than not, you're not going to win. He is the type of guy that can steal games. And he ended up doing it tonight, despite the Leafs coming back, because they have that talent that Montreal just doesn't. But if they do that again in Montreal, there will be a game seven. 
And Clark, we, uh, you know, I, I know you just definitely don't want to see that. What I, I thought that the Leafs really took the game over from the five minute left in the first period mark on outside of a couple dodgy shifts, most of which involved Austin Matthews line. I mean, what is it about the way they're playing right now, Clarky, that, you know, just has to change? Is it, is it just shuffling the power play up, which still looks awful? Oh, I yeah. mean, what, what is it? What do you want to see here? I think the power play is definitely like, I don't know what's going on. Like if you're ever, if you're ever going to fire a coach midway through a playoff series, this is the time. Like, I'm sorry, but what is, what if Manny Malhotra's job is to get the power play going, this has been an abysmal power play, not only for most of the latter half of the season, but in the playoffs. And you got to be able to score in the power play. Like, I don't think either team has scored a power play goal in the series. So, I mean, they're lucky Montreal's is just as bad as the Leafs. But the other thing is they got to take advantage of chances. And it just seems like they're squandering chances. How many breakaways did they have again tonight? You know, like Hyman had one. Um, you know, Spezza had one last game. Like, they can't score in a breakaway. And you've got to take advantage of chances. Um, because, as you mentioned, Carey Price is Carey Price. He's healthy and he's looking good. Now, the Leafs are still up three games to two. Let's not forget that. They have one more game. They can close it out. And that's the, that's the joy of being up three to one. You have now three chances, and you better win one of them, or boy, oh, boy. Yeah, something I think definitely will change. And, uh, I mean, I guess we'll move on from talking about, you know, tonight's result and and talk about things at, at large here and we'll, we'll still stay with the Leafs I, I would like to say though I'm glad you brought that up Clarky, the power play and how frustrated you are I do find it ironic too that not that this disqualifies him from running an NHL power play but I do find it ironic that a guy like Manny Malhotra who was a face-off specialist and key penalty killer in his career is running the Leafs power play well, uh, well, he's I, running I, into the ground I want your thoughts on this, guys, with power plays, because, boy, and, and my Washington Capitals, they're out. They deserve to be out, uh, and and I'll go on record on this show, and this isn't recency bias. Keep in mind, I've been watching this team for a long, long time. That is the worst playoff performance in team history uh, against the Boston Bruins this year. That is the worst playoff performance in Washington Capitals history. I love Nick Backstrom to death. I've never seen him play a worse playoff series in my entire life. That said, though, the power play. I want to bring it back around to that. If you go back and watch what the Leafs have been struggling with and what ultimately cost the Capitals from at least surviving maybe another game, because, I mean, the way they were playing, Boston was going to win that series, is the way that they execute power plays. And teams in the NHL have started doing this a lot, and it bothers me. We talk about a lot of different things that, Teams in different sports are starting to do now. In the NBA, it's over-excessive three-point shooting. Uh, in, in the NFL, it's the quick slot and out passes. In baseball, it's the shift. In hockey, the thing, the strategic thing that drives me up the wall is when teams have an extra guy, God forbid, two on the ice that, than the other team and they do the drop back pass to their blue line. People people refer to it as the slingshot, and that needs to be slingshot into the sun. And I am a staunch believer that any power play coach that tells their team to do that should be fired on the spot. 
I am sick and tired of watching teams with power plays kill upwards of at least 10 to 15 seconds of it by skating across the center red line, keep in mind up a man, and dropping the puck backwards to a trailing defenseman to try and dump it in anyway 80% of the time or try and carry it in after you've given the penalty killers extra time to set up. I cannot... The, the Leafs did it three times on the power play tonight, and at the very tail end of it, Muzzin threw it backwards to nobody, and it ended up in the far corner, and that was the end of the power play. Now they scored right after. It drives me insane that coaches are telling NHL players to do this. It's the stupidest play. It's the stupidest intentional play. Everybody does it, though. Every it's team does it. Horrific. Every team does it. Every team does it. Man. Oh, and I my don't God. I, and I agree with you. Like, I don't think it's working for the majority of teams. It's, it's ridiculous. counterintuitive, isn't it? You mean to tell me that ge- generally, gentlemen, we would agree, right, that generally most teams put their most skilled players on the ice when they have a power play, yeah? So yeah. if we're all in agreement there, you mean to tell me that your most talented guys with extra space and the other team down a man skating backwards on their heels can't carry the puck over the blue line or generate speed and get there first on a dump in where two guys can crash into one and cause a turnover and set the power play up. Why are we passing the puck backwards? It does not make sense i just don't understand it steve go ahead well you know it's interesting because um a few years ago when we covered a team uh known as the listable cyclones and i know it's down a couple notches but when you look at the way they use their power play and stretch the ice for a cross then yet you have options to pass to when you're carrying the puck up by yourself and four guys are stopped at the blue line because they got to wait for the puck to get into the zone, you have no momentum. So then all of a sudden you need more time to get set up because the guys need to get their feet moving again. Um, it just, it is odd. The other thing too is, you know, dump and chase into the corner I was under the impression that when you have that extra man, that you're outnumbering them in the corner. It's always a two-on-one. So, I mean... You would think. And and the point about the slingshot that you made, about wasting 10 to 15 seconds, they're still using the slingshot when there's only 15 seconds left in the power play. So by the time you drop it back, the guys kind of like, tonight on the power play, that almost happened. It was near the end of the power play. Gallagher was just about to come back on the ice. The Leafs just got it into the zone barely before Gallagher jumped out of the box. Like, what's to say someone's coming out of the ice, he jumps to the box, steals the puck, and then races into the zone? Like, it just, yeah, it, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, this game is built on speed. But speed doesn't do anything when you're moving backwards. 
exactly. It, uh, it, it's never made much sense to me. And, uh, in, in my humble opinion, it's ruining power plays. It's ruining goal scoring opportunities and it's stunting skilled players being able to carry the puck at speed up the ice. So it'd be interesting to see what the power play percentage over like the last five years has been. That's about when this, the slingshot kind of idea started uh, and just see what it's been like in the playoffs. But, so, and here's my, my point is this, it's not working. Like, like just figure something else out. Right. I know it's not working. Like, yeah, you're right. They're wasting a lot of time, but the bottom line is they can't score. So change what you're doing. It just seems like they go the same, try the same things, this, over and over and over again. And I wouldn't have Mitch out there on the power play because he's too fancy with the puck. You need nice, crisp, hard passes to get the other team running around and isolate that free guy. And with Mitch, little soft saucers, there's someone on a guy every time. I'd be swapping out Marner and Nylander on that first power play. That's what I'd be doing. Yeah, you would think so. And I mean, the other thing about that more often. Well, yeah, obviously, right? Um, the other thing too, I mean, the Leafs don't take enough one timers and I mean, taking one timers is, you know, a bit of a lost art. I mean, you know, it, to, to well, do- did, you know what they did late in the year, they did all of a sudden one game, they set up Matthews on that one time side and he took like four or five on one power play Gotta and then they've taken more. him off the side. Like what is going on? Like Gotta Ovi just camps out, Ovi camps out in that spot and they find him time and time again. Why can't Matthews just camp out in that spot and fire it? He's got an amazing shot. I don't get it. Maybe they should have Muzzin over there. <laughs> well, he absolutely could do that. I mean, he is just as skilled at shooting the puck as Ovi is, and you're right. That's where Ovi eats his lunch. So uh, they call it Ovechkin Island for a reason. Matthews could set himself up a little inlet uh, mm-hmm. as well on anyway. the opposite face-off circle. Um, yeah, it's... I don't know. I'm just frustrated with that whole sequence. Something else I'm frustrated with, guys, as we move on from talking about a, a tough Game 5 loss for the Leafs. And again, uh, keep in mind, our listeners on CKNX, we'll, of course, bring you the entire of game six and god forbid for clarky's sake if there is game seven we will have the entirety of that game for you as well you can listen to our friend bonesy joe bowen bring you the action on saturday night and hopefully not monday night uh so make sure you tune in but something else that frustrated me and guys i know this frustrated a lot of people and again you know we work in media we we understand what this is all about but uh, we're a week removed from talking about that really unfortunate and, and tough to watch injury that John Tavares suffered. And again, extremely positive to see him skating on the ice. That's a miracle, in my opinion, after what we saw and feared for him. And to have him in the building uh, tonight watching the game w- was great. But the day after, I mean, the tr- who at the Toronto Sun... And the Journal de Montreal thought it was a good idea to put that on the cover of their newspaper. And and uh, and worse, the Toronto Sun did not only put the most graphic picture with blood running down John Tavares's face on the paper to come out with the headline, Captain Crunched. Like, you're not being funny, guy. I, I don't know who okayed that. And of course, they got a ton of backlash for it, as they should have. And the 
I don't even know who the editor on Twitter and I don't know his name and I don't care um, because the Toronto Sun's a rag, but he came out and, and defended the decision. He said, oh, well, I mean, it's still news just because bad things happen doesn't mean it's not still news. You could have still printed the paper and, and reported the news without putting the picture of the poor guy limp in the trainer's arms with blood running down his face. You know, just I personally didn't love the decision. I I thought it was in pretty poor taste by those two papers. I don't know what your guys' thoughts uh, were on it. Well, yeah, it was definitely poor taste. And it's too bad that the Leafs couldn't just ban the newspaper from coming in and covering the team. Like, it, it, you know, like it's disgusting and it, it you know the editor whoever it is he or she if if ever their kid was in an accident and it was news do you think they would put their kid kids picture in the, on the front of the paper absolutely not, not. not and there and their argument is in in that vein i know exactly what the comeback would be clarky well this is sports and it's entertainment and yada yada well you still could have reported on it without being complete d bags. I, I, I just really, I really looked at that and shook my head. Yeah. I, I would like to think we wouldn't want to glorify something like that. We shouldn't even give it the time of day. We shouldn't, but I mean, it's news, isn't it? That's true. Let's talk about the Capitals. Yeah, we don't have much time. Do you want like I, what else do you want me to I, say? No, nothing. nothing. I, 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 I will say even, this. I didn't watch much of the series. I'll tell you the truth. I didn't watch much. I I will say this though. It I find it interesting that you know we're we're kind of watching. Uh, you can really see the changing of the guard where where Sid and Ovi are both out of the first round again. Um, it's it's kind of changing a little bit, and I mean, unfortunately, Connor McDavid is out as well. I would have liked to have seen Matthews McDavid in the second round. I think maybe eventually someday we can pray that they'll play in a Cup final, or if the league rejigs the playoffs, who knows? My my thoughts. My final thoughts are changes coming in Washington. If Vegas loses game seven tonight to the Minnesota Wild after getting Petrangelo and Stone and Pacioretty and Leonard, things might get a little nuclear in Vegas as well. We'll have to see. Guys, tough loss. Hopefully the Leafs bounce back for you, Clarky. It was a pleasure to break it down with you, gentlemen. No comment from Clarky. He's ready to go. He's ready to go to bed. He can't take it anymore. We'll take go it. Leafs go. We'll do it. We'll do it. So good. So good. I, I love the optimism, man. I'm pulling for you, buddy. All right. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, we will chat with the general manager of the Hanover Raceway, our buddy Steve Fitzsimmons on their upcoming season, a new female driver's event that's coming this summer to debut there, as well as at Dresden Raceway, and Steve's overall thoughts on the industry that's been hit very hard by this pandemic. That's coming up next here on MWO Sports, brought to you by Cool Bet. This is MWO Sports. Welcome back to MWO Sports, brought to you by CoolBet.co. Ryan Drury still alongside Steve Sabrin. We're very pleased now to be joined by a friend of the show, the Hanover Raceway General Manager, Steve Fitzsimmons. Fitzy, how are you, man? Doing really well, Ryan. Really well. You know, as well as we can do in the middle of a pandemic anyhow. 
Absolutely. And hopefully we're approaching the near tail end of that as more and more people get vaccinated. But speaking of that, uh, what does that maybe mean for the horse racing season? How are things shaping up for the season over at Hanover Raceway so far? And when can we maybe loosely expect the season to get underway? So originally our, our proposed uh, starting date was going to be June the 5th. And of course, with the order from the province, um, and nothing can really start until the 14th for, for stage one. Um, we fall under that. So our our first race date is going to be June the 19th uh, with a new post time of 1.30. We're moving it back a half an hour from the 2 p.m. And uh, we do, we are able to have qualifying uh, this weekend, which is basically a some races that have a time standard that horses um, have to meet to be able to get into an actual paramutual race for, for money. So they look at that. The province seems to look at that as more like training which we're allowed to have on ground as opposed to more like racing, which is, uh, you know, their prerogative. Um, so we have that this week and then a week off June 12th, we have qualifying again. So the horses are nice and sharp. And then June 19th will be the uh, kickoff date. Um, what about the infrastructure, you know, that the track's been sitting empty, um, has there been upkeep? Have people been able to go and make sure everything's ready to go for the season? Yeah, we're fortunate in one way that uh, part of our operation was considered an essential service because we have uh, stabling in our backstretch with uh, with horses and stable on ground. So, so our maintenance people were able to be on site and uh, and keep up the maintenance and also get things sort of progressed for for live racing. Um, we obviously anticipate no fans for a fair while. I think probably you know getting into late July, early August. So that's unfortunate, but of course we've been streaming. You know, last year we were very successful with our streaming of, of the races, so um, people will be able to see it and watch it at home. And but it's not our preference. We'd love to have you know a thousand people there or more, but uh, that's what we're dealing with right now. But in, to answer your question, Steve, yeah, we're we're ready to go and we're we're excited about it. That's great news. And I mean, Fitzy, you mentioned the streaming service that you guys brought forward with the broadcast and uh, a lot of other new innovations, including an expansion of your online betting abilities and everything like that. But there's more news. There's something else new that's coming to the track this year, an exciting new event. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? I'd love to. Yeah, we're really excited to introduce the OLG Ontario Women's Driving Championship, which is a joint venture between ourselves and Dresden Raceway. It'll be a, a weekend event, Saturday here, Sunday in Dresden, June seven or July 17th and July 18th. And it'll be uh, five races for all female drivers at Hanover, five races at Dresden for all female drivers there. So eight of the best Ontario women drivers will compete, earn points. Um, it's a fundraiser for uh, the Canadian Cancer Society for Cervical Cancer in Hanover. And there is a uh, cancer charity in the Dresden area that will receive the proceeds of that. The uh, drivers are donating all of their driving fees um, to the cause. We're going to have some online fundraising as well and some other uh, things that, that go into to raising. We're hoping to each raise about $5,000, which is a pretty decent number considering nobody's going to likely be at the track. So, um, you know, we're doing everything possible to, to contribute to, uh, to, to, to worthwhile charities. Um, we're really delighted that OLG saw the value of this to come on as a, a corporate sponsor and be our title sponsor. And we're really appreciative of that. And, uh, you know, it, it's certainly a demographic that, uh, you know, doesn't get the uh, the credit they deserve in our sport. 
Um, it's a it's a growing thing that uh, we obviously want more women to participate in our sport. We want more women to enjoy and watch our sport. Um, it's long been dominated by men. I don't think there's any question about that. Uh, but uh, times are changing, and there's some very very good uh, women drivers. And we just thought we'd like to showcase those women drivers. Hope to build more of a platform for them to to have this opportunity. In the long term, we hope that uh, a lot of more racetracks will join us in this venture, and maybe there'd be you know seven or eight stops at various Ontario racetracks. Uh, but we're going to start small, and I have a, a willing partner with Dresden. We think this is going to really be a nice showcase for for women drivers in the province. Yeah, that's fantastic news, Fitz. You were chatting with the general manager of Hanover Raceway, Steve Fitzsimmons. Steve, go ahead. Yeah. Um, is there any names that people in the harness racing uh, fan base would recognize in this new event? Oh, absolutely. Uh, certainly locally, uh, Natasha Day is a, is a well-known driver that drives regularly at, at Hanover Raceway and at Clinton and some other um, of the B-Tracks in Ontario. So she's certainly uh, one of the name drivers. Marie-Claude Auger is basically uh, the winningest driver in Ontario that's currently driving for wins, career wins. Uh, she's originally from Quebec. Um, there's, however, only one harness track in Quebec. So she drives an awful lot in the uh, Rideau-Carleton Raceway, uh, Kawartha down some other tracks around Ontario when the Ontario Sire State season goes on. But the, the other interesting name locally for us is, is Julie Walker. Julie Walker is uh, part of the famed Walker um, family um, that we have. We actually have the Walker Memorial Trot at Hanover Raceway that we've had for 35 years. She's part from she's from that clan from the Old Sound area. Uh, Hanover Raceway is her home racetrack. She lives in Carlisle now, but um, she's a popular uh, trainer. Doesn't drive as much, but uh, we love we love that she's going to be part of this and. Uh, She's a very good driver, and she's going to be able to drive in front of her home track. So, so we're, we're glad to have her, as well as the other ladies that, that are participating. But there's some, uh, some interesting local angles for you. That's awesome news, Fitzy. And again, July 17th is when that will be taking place at Hanover Raceway the following day on the 18th. That event will be in Dresden. Uh, I'd love to ask you as well before we let you go, Fitzy, just, you know, we just talked about some of the cool new innovations that you brought forward as general manager at the track, obviously in some uh, trying circumstances in the midst of the pandemic with the broadcast and the streaming. It's been great to be able to watch that and, and interact with the racetrack from home in, in whatever way we can, but I would love before we let you go, you go uh, to get your impression overall of what the industry overall is like right now. Like we've read a lot of releases. We've obviously read a lot of news and bulletins about the struggles that the industry's gone through, like many industries, of course, but this one in particular seems to have been hit very hard. There's a lot of different barriers and things at stake here that the pandemic has only exacerbated what, in your impression, is the state of the industry overall? That, that's there's quite an answer to that, Ryan. Uh, first of all, uh, let, let me reiterate the fact that this industry ran with no fans for the majority of last year, uh, very safely, and with no COVID outbreaks at any racetrack in Ontario. Currently, in all of North America, Ontario is the only jurisdiction that doesn't allow live harness racing right now, with fans or without fans. Uh, given our stellar safety record last year at all on Ontario racetracks, it's a, it's a crying shame. Absolutely. We have horse people that are unable to pay for, you know, feeding their horses right now. 
that are selling horses off in droves, selling them to the Mennonites, just doing anything possible to stay alive because they have no revenue coming in of any kind. But of course, the bills continue with having to pay your pay for your feed and and uh, vet work and you know getting your horses shooed and 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 all the expenses that go into the upkeep of animals and the training, of course, obviously. So. Uh, you know, I think there's a lot of people hurting in this industry. I think a lot, I think the biggest problem is going to be horse population when we do get started. It's going to be down a fair ways because a lot of people have went to the U.S., um, some of the bigger stables, and have had horses claimed off of them. Uh, they've sold horses. They're not going to come back with as many. And some of the smaller operators have sold off horses to just, you know, stay afloat. So maybe they had 10 horses and now they have six because they, they had to sell off horses to keep paying for the other other six. So I think there were some very difficult choices made by by trainers in Ontario just to, you know, kind of peek their way through this pandemic. And I think uh, it was very short-sighted of the Ontario government not to take a very close look at what was done last year under their supervision, let me, I might add, um, and was done extraordinarily well and with no problems at all. So uh, I think uh, the industry's hurting and it's going to be a while before they recover. But going to be a good start to get racing again. I certainly agree, Fitzy. I, I don't think I could put it any better myself. I mean, uh, as far as horse racing, you're about as died in the wool or or died in the saddle, maybe I should say, as anybody we know. And uh, hopefully when things kick off, uh, eventually maybe we get some fans in late in the summer and, uh, you know, the droves of people that really love this industry like yourself can hopefully start making a, a, an impact to turning things around what you just described to us general manager of the Hanover Raceway Steve Fitzsimmons buddy we always appreciate this you're a guy for horse racing so anytime uh, you want to come on the show and pump up what you're doing over there we'd love to have you thanks for doing this and I'm glad you're well man thanks Ryan thanks Steve all right, we'll take a quick break here again on MWO Sports. And when we come back, we will chat with our wagering expert, Pat Gregoire from CoolBet on some hot bets to lay down this weekend, including NBA action, more PGA stuff. And of course, we'll talk about some hockey stuff as well. You're listening to and watching MWO Sports brought to you by CoolBet.co. This is MWO Sports. Back to wrap things up here on MWO Sports, brought to you as always by CoolBet.co, Ryan Drury, and we're pleased to be joined by our wagering expert, Pat Gregoire. Pat, how are you, buddy? Doing good. Anytime I can join the NWO boys, I, I, I'm pleased. That's good news because we want to delve into a couple different things with you. Another great weekend for sports. We've got golf. We've got NBA playoffs. NHL playoffs are wrapping up as well, and everybody getting ready for the second round there, which is always great. Uh, where do you want to start? What are some hot bets that people can maybe pay attention to this weekend? Well, I mean, let's start with uh, one of the bigger events of the weekend. and it, it caps off here tonight with Game 7, Minnesota Wild and the Vegas Golden Knights. I think the last time I was on, or not the last time, but the week before that, I said that this was probably my favorite series to watch, and it certainly has not disappointed. We've seen some low-scoring games. We've seen a couple of high-scoring games, both teams going back and forth, uh, and Minnesota maybe 
they can upset the Golden Knights here. I do think the Golden Knights are going to come through. I think the better team will come out top. But I do think I mentioned some of those tightly checked games. Uh, the under has hit four in the last six games in the series. And if you even go to the regular season, the under has hit eight times. It's a game seven. I think we see more of that tightly checked games. Teams don't want to get and run a gun in game seven. I think we're going to see a little bit of a lower action game, maybe overtime, not positive enough to lay down the juice on the overtime bet, but I love under five and a half at minus 130. I think that's a great bet because like you said, both these teams are defensively sound. That's kind of Minnesota's whole franchise identity throughout their existence. So I think that that's a great play. And hey, who had the wild taking the Knights to game seven? This is incredible stuff watching Kaprizov and the boys do their thing. Uh, let's talk some PGA. Of course, our buddy from Listowel, Corey Connors, competing in the Charles Schwab. Bit of an up and down first round, even after the first round tied at 49th after the opener on Thursday. But some Canadians are performing really, really well, including, including, pardon me, Adam Hadwin. Uh, what are some of your favorite lines in uh, when it comes to the Charles Schwab? It's an interesting golf course, and it's going to be challenging for some guys. I mean, who are you looking at here? Uh, well, before the tournament did start, I did have Corey Connors at 27 to 1. I'm not ready to rip that ticket up just yet. As we know, this golf course, a very tight fairways and ball striking is going to come in play. And when you talk about elite iron play, T degree numbers, approach numbers, Corey Connors is a top of them all. So he's going to have some work to do, but maybe you'll be able to get him at a better value after round two here. Um, oh, but uh, other guys that I do like as well. I had a Will Zalatoris as well at plus 29 to one. Uh, 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 Jordan Spieth, another guy here, a guy that has dominated at this course. Uh, he is on fire after round one uh, at minus seven. So I think there is some value. Uh, Adam Hadwin as well. Uh, another guy that is playing very well. You mentioned near the top of the leaderboard. Uh, I think that maybe you should hold off on maybe to a, uh, getting Adam Hadwin just yet. Uh, the value is probably not as high as a guy like Connor. So if you're looking for some Canadian content, I know that the Listowel Ontario native certainly will have that come the next round. Absolutely. And I mean, like you said, the course plays well to his style of play for sure. One of the best ball strikers on tour. All right. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the NBA playoffs. I mean, I feel like we've neglected the NBA a little bit on the show recently, given that the Raptors had a pretty tough end to the season and they're in our backyard or at least their home bases. They were in camp <laughs> all year, but the NBA playoffs after those play in games and things got cooking, man, there have been some great, great games. Uh, are there any matchups or maybe even particular player scoring lines that you might want to look at this weekend. Uh, so it's tough when you look at the player lines. Those usually come of the day. So usually you got to hang a little bit tight there, but there is always a ton of value on those plays right now, though, for me, uh, I, I, I like the Dallas Mavericks here for their Friday night game, uh, getting right now three points. Uh, the Clippers, you just don't know what team is going to show up each and every night. I think the Mavericks are a young, promising team. Luka Doncic is one of the most promising and talented players this league has. He's a budding superstar. Uh, and to keep it within just one possession, I think so. I think the more you wait till game time, that line might even move a little more. I usually like to say if you see a bet 
bet it away because the line is probably going to move. But in this one, I actually see the line start to extend a little bit more. So that's a play that I certainly like in the NBA. But of course, you mentioned it. Lots of props, player props. There's so much uh, totals. Also very fun to bet in the NBA with all these high scoring teams in the postseason. Absolutely. Well, hey, as always, we appreciate your advice. And I would just like to point out that uh, maybe the viewers and listeners pay attention to my F1 picks. Your, yes. your, your play on Lewis Hamilton. Uh, Mercedes had a very tough day at Monaco. Mm -hmm. And my boy. Max yes. Verstappen drove the Red Bull uh, with the Honda engine to his first Monaco Grand Prix victory. So I made a nice little chunk of change there. But for everything else, listen to Pat. He's our wagering <laughs> expert from Coolbat, and that's why he is on the show. Thanks for doing this, buddy. Enjoy the sports this weekend, and we really appreciate it as always. Of course, anytime. All right, guys, remember, you can listen to this show Friday nights at 6 on CKNX AM 920 and CKNX.ca if you'd like to stream it online. Remember to follow us on social media at MWO underscore sports. On Fridays, if the Leafs play at 7, which is still possible given the playoffs and everything that's going on, we get bumped back a half hour to 5.30 leading into Leafs pregame at 6.30. Remember, we will also air every Blue Jays game if they do not conflict with the Maple Leafs. Plenty of sports to be had here on CKNX. You can also watch the show Friday nights at 8, Sunday nights at 9 on Whiteman TV. Our friends that do the show for us with producer Adam cheering for his Colorado Avalanche. And of course, Friday nights at 9, we go live on YouTube as well. I'm Ryan Drury for Chris Clark, for Steve Sabrin and all our guests this week, including our wagering expert Pat Gregoire from CoolBet. We appreciate you listening to and watching MWO Sports brought to you as always by CoolBet.co. Mm -hmm.